Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the ninth chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. This is the last of our summer series from this book until Lord's willing next year, if he so pleases. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 to 10. Will you please join me by standing as I read the word of God. Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white at all times, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you under the sun, for this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in the place of the dead called Sheol, where you are going. This is the word of God. And now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Buddhism teaches that the reason for human sufferings is the craving of desire and pleasure of the senses which seek satisfaction here and there. If we are to get rid of sufferings and we get rid of cravings, what we have to do is to get rid of our senses. We've got to meditate them away. We've got to get rid, extinguish the craving so that no passion and no desire remains. Now, how do you like that one? No passion. And no desire remains. You are just a blog. I thought you should tell that to Tiger Woods. He wouldn't agree with his religion there. This is why I'm not a Buddhist. Because Christianity is the only religion, along with a few others, perhaps Jewish and to some extent, some extent Muslims, but not in this case. Christianity is the only religion that promotes the value of the body, the enjoyment of pleasure. Very few religion offers that. I just, just a little bit of what Buddhism says. You're not to have any pleasure. You're not to have any desire. You're not to have any cravings. And yet when you come to this text this morning, this man who is suffering with this idea that life under the sun is boring. It, it, it's a dead-end street. It doesn't lead to any place where I feel that there is, there is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. And so we want to see this morning from this text how God has actually provided for us as human beings living on this earth a world that we can enjoy. 
Now, for most of your life and perhaps mine, especially in my early days as a Christian, one of the things that I understood that Christians was never to have is to have fun. Uh, Christians are never to enjoy pleasure. And yet you read through the Bible and, and what we, I think what has happened is that we have come to prostitute pleasure. And as a result of the misuse of pleasure, the, the Christian say, the way to take care of this is to have just the opposite view of it. And when I have the opposite view of it, I don't enjoy it. I just walk around with a face so long that I challenge a mule for competition. Listen to the text again, if you please. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has approved your works. That wasn't amazing. Celebration of life. Celebration in pleasure. God has approved. Now, we will see later on, because I'm, I can almost see some of your minds saying, yeah, but what if? Before you get to the what if, listen to what God has said so that you can look at pleasure in the way that God designs it to be enjoyed and that it, which the world says. I want you to consider with me, first of all, the gift of the world. The gift of the world. I want you to listen to a few texts from Ecclesiastes because this is what he's struggling with. He's struggling with the fact that I know that there is a transcendence to the world. And that transcendence seems to put limit upon how I enjoy the world. But I want to enjoy the world without limits. I don't want rules to tell me how to do it. Yet I look and I see it all the times. Rules are working. Rules are working to bring about the purposes of God. Ecclesiastes 2.24. Just listen. Ecclesiastes 2.24. There is nothing better for a man than to eat and to drink and to tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen is from the hand of God. See, he, he sees the divinity in labor, in celebration, but he's, he's having problems with it. Look at verse 26 from Ecclesiastes. For to a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. While to the sinner he has given the task of gathering, collecting, so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. Do you notice that God is identified with all the pleasures that he's talking about so far? Look in 3, 12 and 13 of Ecclesiastes. I know that there's nothing better than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. It is a gift of God. 5.18. Ecclesiastes 5.18. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and to drink and to enjoy oneself in one's labor. 
in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. So, so the giver's identity, the one who has given us life and all that it contains to enjoy is God. So, so God is, is not a killjoy. God is not, is, is not one who is what I used to call in my college days, God is not a cosmic policeman just waiting for you to do something so he could arrest you. I, I want you to see something with me. Go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. And I won't labor this because I spoke on this not too long ago. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. Verse 8. I, I had to, the, uh, the people, our, our air condition has been broken for over a year now, and I just didn't know that it was broken. So I, I called the insurance people and told them, and they sent someone to come and um, replace it. I have one of those insurance that if, if they can't fix it, they replace it. And so they replace it. So we have a brand new air condition working now that the summer is ended. But we had, I had some, some, some stuff around the old one. And so they called and they said, they're coming on Wednesday to fix it. And, and so they came last Wednesday. So guess what I spent my time doing? Moving all that stuff. And I got my hands dirty. You see, I, I am, I remember when Lois and I were first married, she was at home and she kept a garden and so on. And <laughs> one day she went out and brought some stuff and um, brought it home. And asked, she asked me to move the stuff from the, the trunk of the car. And so I went to her and I said, where do you want this dirt? She said, it's not dirt, it's soil. <laughs> but I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. It says, God planted a garden. Now, I, I've heard preachers say, God got his hands dirty. I don't know. But what I know, it says that somehow God did something which was going to benefit not him, but you and me. A garden. And, and, and I want you to see what else it says in that garden. Look, look at verse 9. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the eyes. So he made it so, so not only did he make the garden, but he made you and me so that there could be an appreciation for what the eyes would see. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was watching a program for a few minutes yesterday from New Zealand. And they were showing some of the beautiful areas in that beautiful country. And they were showing things under the sea. And I thought, I thought of Psalm 8. How God has, has placed things so that man in, in a day to come 
could jump in the sea and, and, and go to the very bottom of the sea and bring into your living room and mind to those beautiful fish of all kinds and colors and what happens and how they exist. And all this, my friends, God has made for your enjoyment and mine. It is a tragedy, I believe, somewhere on the line that Christians have put aside the pleasures which God has placed in the earth for us to enjoy because we're afraid the world abuses it so we do not use it. Yet, the writer is saying, if, if our, our lifetime here you know, I was reading the book of Genesis, and it says this one lived 890 years, and this one lived 910 years. Which of us will live that long? And, 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 it's, and it shows that as, as we move toward, from creation to where we are now, the, the lifetime of an individual is three scores and ten, and if by virtue of strength, perhaps four scores. And so the writer says, if all we have to do is to live this, this, this short time, isn't it a tragedy to experience nothing but boredom in it? Isn't it a tragedy to have a creation that God has made so that we could live and see somewhat of His glory in it and, and we have actually closed our eyes because someone might abuse it? I remember... You know, I'll come to that in a minute. The scripture says, enjoy your, your, your bread and your wine. Oh, my word. Is the pastor preaching drinking? No, I don't drink. But we'll see what the scripture says. The giver's identity, friends, is God's. But I want you to see not only the identity of the giver of this, this, this beautiful gift of the world and everything in it. I want you to see his indulgence. Look again. He made us with eyes to see it. So that we could appreciate it. So that something, when we see it, we say, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that breathtaking? Isn't that a wonder? But then I want you to see what he does in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. Then the, and I love this. The Lord God took the man. God escorted Adam and later Eve into the garden. And, and, and you know, I, when I was studying this, I said, oh, I wonder if he blindfolded him. And then he says, okay, come now. And then he, he loosed the blindfolders. And when, when Adam saw it, everything in him just, just like, like, like the Niagara Falls. Oh, I can't believe this. Is this for me? Listen to what God says to him. And God said to him, of all the trees in the garden, there is only one that is prohibitive. You may eat freely. Enjoy what you're eating. 
Celebrate the fact that I have made this for your pleasure. To see it. To feel the ecstasy of creation in the glory of God that is extant in them. If you please. Eat it. I want you to enjoy it. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this. Warn those who are rich in this world not to trust in their riches, but to use their riches in a way that God wants you to use it to help others. But remember that God has given us freely everything to enjoy. Now please listen, friends. Let me put the caveat right here. Don't forget that sin has affected what I'm reading right now. Because sin has affected our appetites, we have perverted what God has given, and we must come to the place where God once again must redeem our appetites, redeem our minds, our imaginations. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, I bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and I stand against everything that, that rises up against the knowledge of God. How do I use what God gives to me? We'll get to that in a minute. What, what, a, what a God. He indulges us. I remember reading a story of Charles Spurgeon, if you know who he is, great British preacher from another age, one day, Mrs. Spurgeon was pr praying for a parrot. Why she wanted one, I don't know. But she was praying for one. And someone brought her one. <laughs> and Charles Spurgeon says to, him, to her, something I would say to my wife, believe me. You are one of God's spoiled children. An indulging God. You know, you know, you know, friends, if I may apply this, one of the Lois and I have been talking about this, we can't stop talking about it. You know, one day the phone rings and Christopher calls me from France. Another day he calls me from from Rome. Another day he calls me from Geneva. Another I mean, and I, I keep thinking. What a privilege that this boy has. He's living my dreams. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I would love to have gone to some of those places. Last night he was trying so hard to tell me of his experience in Rome. I said to him, you didn't bow before the Pope, did you? <laughs> he assured me he didn't. But what a privilege. My mother lived until she was 91 years old, almost 92. And one of the things this, this, this gentle lady said to me one day visiting her in the city of Chicago, she said, Winston, before you die, you've got to see Hawaii. I, I've never lived with any desire to go to Hawaii, but my mother did. And she wanted me to experience this because somehow in that beautiful island and, and group of islands, God has expressed himself for you and I to see and to enjoy. 
the indulging God. He spoils us by giving us so much, so much. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to remind you, friends, that what God is saying here is that he does not cause us, he does not indulge us so that we become gluttonous or wine drunkards. That's not why he gives to us. We shall see in a minute. But I want you to see, if anything, my friends, that God is the one who has made it. He made a world and put us here. We couldn't live the way we are on any other planet. And then he has, he has fitted it with everything we need. Everything we need. I have told you again and again that one of the places Lois and I used to go to, especially when she was at home with our, our daughter, is Niagara Falls. We would go there because we lived Highway miles, just 66 miles from Niagara Falls. And I, I have never been bored going there, winter or summer. Because God has given us something beautiful to enjoy. But God has not only given us a creation. I want you to see what I call, secondly, the glories in the world that he has given us to enjoy. The glories. See, the heavens declare the glory of God. So everything that God has given us is, is actually signatured with his glory. God introduced Adam and Eve to the garden and he says, it's all yours, it's all yours. There's only one prohibition. Don't eat of the tree of good and evil. And I want to suggest to you, my friends, I want to suggest to you that because sin has entered the world, we cannot appreciate the glories of God in creation we cannot enjoy it as God intends it unless we are redeemed by God. That's the only way. And this is what we're seeing here. Same. First he begins, just as God gave instruction to Adam and Eve, so we are instructed in verse 7. Go back now to Ecclesiastes 9-7. And I, I want you to see, I want you to see something here. He begins almost with a command. Almost with a command. Go! Don't, don't be reticent. Don't be reluctant. Go. God has given it to you. Eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. Now, please remember that this was talking about a meal. This was not talking about a, a drunken orgy. And, and, and God intended, if you, if you, if you please... Just hold your place there and go with me to Psalm 104. Now, if you have any problems with this, talk to God. Please remember what I said, that sin has affected our appetite so that we have abused and misused what God has given. But listen to this. Psalm 104, verse 14. He causes the grass to grow for cattle. Vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine which makes his heart glad. We'll see how that is done in a minute. Here's God giving the instruction. He says, Go. I want to I want I, I want to release you, I want to give you the freedom to take. Now, how do, we, 
How do we do that? Go with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 3. 1 Timothy 4, 3. Perhaps I should begin from verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly say that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared to their, uh, in their own consciences as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from food, which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. Verse 4. Everything is created by God that is created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Have you been reluctant to pray in a restaurant? Do you know that what's on your plate, you go and you see that beautiful dish of whatever you put on it? And it says, before you take this, now, now, friends, I'm not saying that you stand up on the platform and say, dear friends, I want to pray before I eat my food. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but to recognize in your heart and without calling attention to yourself, to bow your, your head. In fact, we, I, took, I took the kids, my grandchildren, to a, a pizza place that has um, not, not Chuck E. Cheese, no, another one. Um, but they had some of the similar things in it. And so we bought our pizza, and they were going to bring our pizza to, to our, to our um, table. And they did. And before we ate, I said, okay, we're going to pray and give God thanks for this food. And everyone did, bow their heads. We were in a little cubby hole. And when we were finished, a lady walked up to us. I said, it is so good to see people praying. I mean, we, I didn't even know the lady was there. See, because I wasn't talking to her. I wasn't trying to impress her. I was recognizing, my friends, that God has provided. And he says, enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Be grateful for it. Recognize the giver of it. This, this really happened. This really happened. A, a, a Christian family picked up a young boy that was thumbing his way somewhere. And in the conversation, they became friends. And the boy was able to stay for a week or so. And every time they would eat, they would pray. And so one day the boy said, uh, um, do you mind if I ask you a question? He says, do you guys always pray for everything? Does everyone usually pray for everything around here? Oh, she said, no, our pigs don't. <laughs> she was trying to get a message across. She wasn't trying to be funny. She was trying to let that boy know, if you can see and feel and taste each day the blessings of God, with only pigs do that. God has given us everything 
to enjoy. Now, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. I'm almost sure, I am almost sure that you have never read this. You have read it, but you have never paid attention to it. Go with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. God is speaking to Israel in the wilderness. And, and listen, just listen to this, friends. Follow. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with what? Joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and with gladness of heart for his abundance. Look at what God says. Therefore, you will serve your enemies. We become prisoners of the enemies of God when our hearts are not filled with gratitude. Like I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I wonder if any of you have ever read that text before. That God says, I want you to have joy. I want you to enjoy what I give to you. Uh, friends, it doesn't matter how much or how little. You remember the, 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 the lady in the Old Testament says, I only have a little bit to eat, and then we're going to die, but I want to enjoy the little bit that I have. Until Elijah said something else to her. In Acts chapter 2, they were eating their bread with gladness of heart. They were enjoying what God had given to them. God does not give to us for gluttony or to become drunkards, friends. He gives to us so that our hearts will be filled with gratitude for all his blessings to us. All his blessings to us. A family in, in Toronto that uh, adopted us into their families, they they. they they called me their son and Lois, their daughter, and our children, their grandchildren. And our kids called them grandma and grandpa. Remember the first or second Christmas we were there for Christmas celebration? And he was sitting, I was sitting beside Harry. And Harry looked under the Christmas tree and he said, Winston, that's how many people love me. That's how many people love me. Oh, dear friends, I, I want, you know, in this day when the world is filled with tension, I want you to be a witness to the fact that God has filled your heart with joy. For listen to what Jesus said, I am come into the world that you might have joy and have it how? Abundantly. Now, now you're, my friends, you're listening to one who has to practice what he preaches. You know, our, our little granddaughter, I mean, she is full of life. I, I take her to McDonald's and, and in the play, play part, and she doesn't even want to eat her food. She wants to play in all those things. My grandson, he sits beside me. And he's, he surveys everything. Are these people that I can trust? Are these people that I can play with? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joking. That's, that's the way he is. Kobe, head first. 
And you know, whenever Kobe's in that thing, I always say, please don't get stuck in there because I'd hate to have to go in there to get you. <laughs> Joy, friends. See, we can, only, we can only celebrate joy in community. See, when we come together like we are now, and as we meet next week, we're going to sit down and we're going we're to look at all that God has provided, and we will partake with thanksgiving. Please be there, because this is how God has designed it. He doesn't give to you so that you might have. He gives to us that we might have. God says, I want you to serve me with joy for all the abundance that I've given to you. The danger, please listen, the danger is when the temporal becomes the ultimate, which leads to idolatry. When the temporal leads to the ultimate, it leads to idolatry. And that's what God condemns. So let me go, that's... that's the celebration of God's pleasure from verse 7. Go! Your life is short. And if you can, if you can see the glories of God, as Elizabeth Browning said, all the earth is crammed with heaven, and only those who see heaven in all of earth take their shoes off like Moses, while the rest pick blackberry. Don't be a blackberry picker. Look at the intention, the intention of God's pleasure. The intention. Verse 8 of Ecclesiastes. Verse 8. Look at this. <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. For whoever is joined... Um, no, verse 8. I'm sorry. Let your clothes be white at all times, and let not oil be lacking on your head. I thought I was going to ask, raise your hand if you understand that verse. Listen, friends, let let me suggest to you, white garment was always in ancient time and in heaven a celebration of victory. It, It was a celebration of joy. In fact, there are some people in Haiti, if you've ever seen any of the missionary films with the Haitian people doing their jigs, how were they dressed? In white. Because they feel that white is, is, is going is to keep the evil spirits away. So what, what he's saying, don't always, you know, I, I was thinking of this. I had a, a professor in, in college, and he used to say, students, I don't think a man is worshiping if he doesn't wear a white shirt in the pulpit. <laughs> this is not what this verse is saying it is saying be ready always to be able to see God's hand in your celebration celebrate it be joyful in it Let, let your clothes always be white whatever it is let it be celebratory let it be a sense, my friends, of, of, of enjoying what God has, give, has given. And I wanted to suggest that when he talks about the fact that your head, don't let the oil, uh, he's talking about make sure you smell good. That's what he's saying. Because you're going to be with other people. 
so that, so that when you come together, people want to be with you. You're able to celebrate together. You're able to see how God has blessed someone else and you share in that joy so that we are able to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're able to, to weep with those who weep. Always be at a, at a place where you can respond to the atmosphere. Peter says this, whoever will love life, whoever will love life, you love life by fearing God so that our, 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 our appearance ought to be an, invi- an inviting fragrance. Our appearance ought to be uplifting. Our appearance is meant to attract others to what God is doing in our lives. Then we come to this part of the verse. Verse 9. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love. Some translations, translations say, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. I want to just say two things that is so important. Remember, he didn't say, enjoy life with women. See? That, that would be prostitution. So he didn't say enjoy life with women. That would even be polygamy. That would even be fornication, as the Bible teaches it. He didn't say enjoy life with a woman, because that could be promiscuity or adultery. So what is he saying? He's saying, first, verse 8, Always be, be dressed in white, celebrating with one another. This is a general statement. Now from the general, he comes to the specific. Enjoy intimacy only with the one whom you love, namely your wife. This is what he's talking about now. And, and because of time, you can write this down. Genesis chapter 24, verse 67 in, in, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, Isaac is meeting Rebekah. They have never met before. As Isaac sees her coming, he prepares himself, and Rebekah prepares herself. And you can read it for yourself. When they met, it is said that when Isaac looked at Rebekah, She became his wife and he loved her. Do you get it? She became his wife. We do just the opposite today, don't we? We say we love and become wife and then we fall out of love. But this is what the text is saying. She became his wife. He committed himself to her. And he expressed his commitment with his love for her. This is what the text is saying. Don't play around. Be faithful to the one who bears your name. Love looks for a way to serve. And it makes a decision to be faithful. You know, in in the 1960s, 70s, the hippies brought something new to us, called free love. And my friends, love is never free. It will hurt somebody unless it is done in service. 
Well, time is almost gone. The intensity of pleasure. The instruction, the intention is that you enjoy relationships. Now look at the intensity. He's going to go now, and I'm not going to say much about this because when we come to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to talk about this in more doctrinal detail. Listen to what he says, and I've never been able to understand this verse until studying it this past week. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you're going. Everybody's going to die. And when you die, you can't plan. You've got to do it all here. But when you plan, do it with intensity. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it. As sometimes we say, if you can't find anybody else to do it, I'll do it. The text is not encouraging that, friends. It is saying that you see the opportunity that God gives as something you want to embrace. Something you want to commit yourself to. Something you're willing to make sacrifice to accomplish. But you know the difference. Because God has given it. And because God has assigned you to it. You want to do it in a way that reflects the giver. That exalts the giver. And please listen as C.S. Lewis says. If you seek to enjoy life without heaven, you lose both. But if you seek to enjoy life with heaven, you gain both. So that we are able, the, the, the slightest amount of things, whatever it is, we can enjoy we can, we can do it. I, I was at the airport some time ago, not last night, but some time ago, and, and this fellow walked up to me, and, uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always, you know, fully attired and so on, and he must have thought I was a businessman. So he came and he talked to me, and he, he said, um, I've been noticing you're something to the effect. He said, you know, I would like to employ someone like you. I mean, this guy didn't know me from a hole in the ground. So I said, well, let me tell you, I'm a pastor. And I have never awakened one day of all my serving. I've never woken one day and said, I don't want to go. I can't take this anymore. God, the lambs are okay, but those sheep, oh my. I've never said that, friends. Because you see, I've found a treasure. And the treasure is not what I do, but who has assigned what I do to me. So that, that my work is not, a, it was not, it's, it's not a burden to me. And it, it ought not to be to, Paul says, God has called me, and here is how I, I take care of my body. I buffet my body because I want to be in top shape to do what God has called me to do. I said, I'll talk some more about that later on. But listen to Proverbs 10.4. The hand of the diligent will make rich. Proverbs 12.24. The hand of the diligent will rule. Proverbs 13.4. The soul, the soul of the diligent shall be fat. It means it's bursting with joy. 
Romans 12, 8. He that ruleth with diligence. Are you to grow in your Christian life? Listen to what Peter says. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. If you're going to grow as a Christian, my friends, you must diligently commit yourself to it. You can't simply desire it. For desire has never accomplished anything but dreams. But discipline does. And when we give ourselves to it, we catch it, I suppose, like Eugene Peterson paraphrases this section with which I close. Listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this section. Seize life. Eat bread with gusto. Drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on collars and scarves. Relish life with, with your spouse of you, you love. Eat and every day of your precarious life, live. Every day is a gift from God. It is all yours. You get it in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each day. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it. And do it heartily. What a difference, my friends, it will make. Tomorrow you go to work and, and you meet your boss and say, good morning. Are they going to drop dead? I'm going to tell you, that's how I lived before I was a Christian. I, I would not say good morning to my boss for anything. And one of the things that made me know that I was a Christian was after that first Good Friday when I became a Christian, I went to work. I said to him, good morning. He almost dropped dead. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, God. I thank you that I can, I can end this summer series on a joyful note. Pleading with your people to do what God says. God takes pleasure in your pleasure because your pleasure comes from him. Go. Eat. And Father, in this congregation, there'll be some who have more than others, but I pray that none will eat with an ungrateful heart, no matter how little, how much. And that for those who have, we will be willing to share willingly, joyfully, with those who do not have. Make us, Lord, to be dressed in white tomorrow and our oil, oil flowing from our heads because it's a picture, white Theologically, is a type of purity. The oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And when our lives are pure with the oil of the Spirit, oh God, we will have people running to us to ask us the reason for our hope. Make this this kind of a day for us tomorrow, we pray in the days ahead. In Jesus' name.